But seek the welfare of the city where I have sent you into exile, and pray to the Lord on its behalf. For in its welfare you will find your welfare. You are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden. For here we have no lasting city, but we seek the city that is to come. For he was looking forward to the city that has the foundation who designer and builder is God. And that is Jeremiah 29, 7, Matthew 5, 14, Hebrews 13, 14, and Hebrews 11, 10. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to another episode of Bridge Radio. We are coming at you from the great state of Texas. Texas. I am your host, A.W. Varilla, and in front of me, my co-host, Joey the Sidekick Velasquez. How's it going? <laughs> and like always, the president of Bridge Ministry is Steve the Boss, then Hartog. ¿Cómo están ustedes? Bien, bien, bien. Gracias a Dios. <laughs> a little Spanish for our listeners today. How's everybody doing today? Doing well. We're excited Pretty about good. this podcast. Yeah. About urban Ministry. Yeah, Urban Ministry. Uh, so, ladies and gentlemen, we're going to be starting a two-part series on urban and rural ministry. So, we are really excited. We're bringing on today uh, a friend from Chicago. Uh, he's actually um, a pastor of my old church, uh, Pastor Dustin Moore. Um, he is from the great city, my city of Chicago, my kind of town, the Windy City, Shy town second city, <laughs> the city with big shoulders, the city by the lake, the land where the Italian beef gravy flows like milk and honey, where men and women instinctively flock to Chicago-style hot dogs like Bears fan to deep dish pizza after a win. All right, I'm hungry. And that's a little place called Aspen, I mean Chicago. <laughs> <laughs> that was a little dumb and dumber reference in there because I have moved it around a little bit. So, yeah, um, you know, living in Chicago, guys... Um, what I started seeing, I mean, I grew up in the city. Pastor Moore is in the city city, not a suburb. So I do want to make that clear. Downtown. Down, yeah, the downtown area, like uh, not too far from the downtown area, but is inner city Chicago. Uh, growing up in the 80s there, there were a lot of churches uh, in Chicago. And uh, it's kind of hilarious that um, the last, I mean, I haven't been there for uh I go back and travel, but the last time I lived there full time was four years ago. And it was really sad to see old churches being uh, turned into condos mm. or into restaurants or other types of business. Mm. Um, and I know that um, there are n not a lot of good solid churches left in this inner city. What we've seen is a lot of these churches move out to the suburbs. Yeah. And I don't. I mean, I'm thinking about just the people in the city just need the truth, mm -hmm. just like people in the suburb. But um, there's a lot of just challenges there um, being in an inner city. And but hopefully we can um, uncover that a little bit when we speak today to uh, Pastor Moore. Yeah, we're looking forward to learning how we can contextualize the, the message. Not that we change the message, but how do we contextualize it so that we can administer in that in that arena so yeah forward to it. yeah that's gonna be uh that's gonna be pretty cool and then for the uh, second part we are right now in communication with Stephen Whitmer uh who wrote a book a big gospel uh, uh small in small places so uh we're looking to get him on here hopefully pretty soon and he can actually have a discussion on what doing ministry in a rural, super small area 
is like. So, yeah, so looking forward to get that. You bet. That's going to be good. Get them on, yeah. So, nice. All right, guys. Well, why don't we go ahead and get this started? Let's do it. Dustin Moore is the senior pastor at Ravenswood Baptist Church on the north side on, of Chicago. Before that, Dustin spent nine years as a youth pastor and executive pastor at International Baptist Church in Brooklyn, New York. Dustin is married to his wife, Mindy. They've been married for 15 years and have four wonderful children. Dustin is a huge fan of the Chicago Cubs and Notre Dame football. Welcome, Dustin, to Bridge Radio for the first time. Thank you. Good to be with you guys. So, uh, Dustin, um, you know, we're in our intro, um, we were just talking about just Chicago. Um, if you can just uh, let people know just a little bit about yourself, uh, how you ended up in New York and then Chicago and then how we met. Yeah. Uh, first off, I... so I've been a pastor here in Chicago for four years. I grew up in a Christian home. Uh, my dad was actually in, in full-time vocational ministry. Um, as a child, I obviously I heard the gospel regularly. And uh, as a small child, uh, the age of five, I uh, came home from church one day and just had some questions for my dad from Sunday school uh, about the gospel. And uh, later that evening, my dad uh, took the scripture and showed me how I could be saved, and and I believe I was saved there as a uh, as a five year old boy. Uh, I always joke with my kids. I was too scared to be baptized right away, so I waited till seven to get baptized. Uh, <laughs> so it was a little bigger. Uh, but um, was baptized. Grew up in a in a good Christian home. Uh, Mom and dad loved the Lord. Still do to this day. Uh, knew God wanted me to be in ministry, but just didn't really know how and when. And so I, I did go off to a small Bible college to train uh, for four years. I met my wife there. Uh, she was studying to be a, a teacher and I was studying to be a pastor. And um, my wife, uh, her name is Mindy. And she had ended up there because just a few years before that, her mom and dad had separated and she had moved up to Long Island, New York with her mom and her siblings. And uh, there at the church in New York, uh, her mom, uh, my mother-in-law taught at the Christian school and the pastor there encouraged my wife to go to Christian college at least for a year. And so she did, and she ended up staying and doing a four year, four year program. But, um, we ended up, we ended up at that, uh, at that church there, um, for, uh, after we were married, we ended up going back to that church. The church had two campuses, the one in Long Island that she grew up at, and then there was another one in Brooklyn. And so we ended up going to the church in Brooklyn in 2007, where I was the youth pastor of a a very inner city work, very much an inner city urban work. Um, And then about three and a half, four years into that, because it was a multi-campus church, uh, there was a need for an executive pastor. And so for the last uh, five years or so, I oversaw the day-to-day operations of the church in New York, which really prepared me for when uh, some friends of ours were members of the church here in Chicago. Mm. And I'm originally from the Chicagoland region, mm. so I know the city very well. Um, and so this, these friends of ours said that the church was looking for a pastor, and um, we came and visited, and we saw so much similarities 
at, at our church here, Ravenswood, as our church at, in Brooklyn dealt with. And so because I was on the administrative and executive level of things, um, I had a little bit of some practical ways that I knew that I could administratively help the church, but I had never been a senior pastor before. Hmm. And so the the spiritual shepherding care, um, of, especially of, of just faithful Bible teaching, um, was something I was not experienced in. And um, But thankfully the Lord is, has worked and is blessed, and, and we rejoice in His, in his work and his sovereign work in this, in this place. And Abe, that's where I met you, obviously, uh, through this church here at Ravenswood and I've, um, enjoyed getting to meet Steve and the ministry there at Bridge. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, it, it's kind of funny, uh, Dustin, you, I, I did get an opportunity to, uh, as part of a member of Ravenswood, uh, Baptist church, I was able to vote, uh, Dustin in, um, as I'm leaving like to Texas here because I had just uh, married my wife and God was bringing us down to Texas and, and, and we were, we were excited to, to have Dustin um, come into Ravenswood. Um, unfortunately, I, he never was really my pastor. Um, uh, we had already, I believe gone or you had my, maybe been here just a couple weeks. I, I don't remember. Uh, but, one thing that I did feel was that um, Ravenswood Baptist was in good hands. Mm. Um, and not because I knew Dustin or anything. I I was just like, I, I think that the church is going to be in good hands. And after, uh, what is it, is it four, four years coming up, Dustin? Um, yeah, May will, May will be four years. Um, that hasn't, you know, that that has been proven so in, in God's just uh, grace and mercy and just uh, what uh, uh, what's going on in Ravenswood and the outreach in, in, in the inner city. Um, so, Dustin, can you just give us a little bit of a background as to kind of what the demographic is at Ravenswood? Yeah. Um, who are the people that, that you're ministering to and serving there? Yeah, so uh, we're on the north side of the city uh, of Chicago, and uh, so obviously significantly diverse Um I, I would say that we uh, we pretty much cover almost every continent, um, <laughs> maybe other than Australia. But um, that's great. Uh, we do um, we're significantly, um, I, I would say, Hispanic, um, so Mexican, um, Puerto Rican, South American, you name every hmm. every mm-hmm. just a wide variety of Hispanic uh, mm-hmm. nationalities in our church. Hmm. Um, Asian, Filipino, Korean, um, even Lord, just in the last uh, couple of years, uh, the Lord has brought uh, several Nigerian families to our church. Mm. And they've just been an incredible blessing in their spirit and uh, their passion for Jesus. Uh, when I came to uh, the church, uh, not long after that, a, a Nigerian man visited and he got saved and mm. he brought, he just started inviting friends and family. Mm. And so there's been a really, um, just a blessed um, community of, of Nigerian families that have been coming. We also have a lot of, uh, a lot of Eastern European, uh, so mm. Romanian, okay. um, and, and uh, several from, from the country of Romania. Uh, our church also, uh, we have a, a deaf ministry. Mm. So deaf and hard of hearing, uh, they're about to become their own 
a deaf church, nice. which we're excited about. Yeah. Um, so they're, but they're going to continue to meet at our place, but we're really trying to encourage more autonomy for them. We have an Ethiopian church that meets in our church. That's awesome. Uh, again, they're an auto- autonomous church, but we see them as gospel partners. It's kind of how we, we um, engage that relationship. They love us. We love them. They're wow. not just renting our space. We're, uh, we're not far from voting on some night, uh, excuse me, some Ethiopian, um, an Ethiopian missionary that we can support together with that church. That's cool. Um, so we're really excited about that. Uh, it's just it's, people come into church, our church, you know, inevitably the two things that, that I usually hear from a new person is the friendliness and the diversity. Yeah. Mm. Um, and what's, what's great about it, Steve, is we have never recruited diversity. You know what I mean? Yeah. Right. Yeah. It's just kind of for us. It's our community, but it's also the more you just preach the gospel. Amen. In diverse places, you're gonna you're gonna attract diversity. Yeah, that's what I love about the gospel. Um, so, yeah, yeah, I mean, it's amazing. I, yeah, it, it, it's 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 awesome. I mean, going into Ravenswood, it's like you know the United Nations in there. It's 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 awesome. Well, I love to hear about the Ethiopian church because I grew up in Ethiopia. My parents were missionaries, so I was an MK in Ethiopia for about ten years. So oh, that's great. That's cool. Yeah, I, I know hey, that, that church. I'm gonna tell you. I'll just tell you really quickly, that church started at Ravenswood. So we have a Christian school here. We have a, a school building wow. on our property. And they were they were gifted. They came to the pastoral team and just asked if they could rent um, a classroom in the school when they started. It was hmm. like six or seven people. Wow. And, um, I mean, the now they, they've got like 80 kids in their kids' ministry. They're, hmm. There's probably 200 of them here on a Sunday afternoon. Really? That's um, cool. And th- they will tell you that, you know, for them, the ministry of prayer is so central to what they do. Interesting. Mm. Um, I've never met anybody who can pray as passionately yeah. as they pray. Wow. Uh, it's really special. So Yeah, I've... Uh... Uh, I remember uh, uh, just seeing them set up uh, for service, and uh, yeah, those guys, watching those guys worship is amazing. So, um, so uh, Dustin, as we move forward here, um, what do you believe God um, specifically um, called you into urban ministry? As we were discussing here, just the diversity uh, of uh, of urban ministry. I mean being in a city, you have just people from all different parts of the world and you're, and the church reflects that there in Chicago. What was, what do you think is just God, you know, calling you to that type of ministry in New York and in Chicago? And along those lines, you know, how has God wired you? Mm -hmm. How do you feel God has wired you for that kind of ministry? Yeah. I, I think the best way for me to answer that would just be to, for me to first speak to how I was brought up. I, I, you know, I was brought up in a small town, in small Indiana town, um, predominantly Caucasian. Uh, but my, my dad was born in Maine and he grew up the majority of his childhood years without a father. Mm. And, uh, when he came to Northwest Indiana, he had a real heart, uh, to do ministry in Chicago and really, he, he had a heart for, for young boys and girls, teenagers hmm. who were growing up without dads. Wow. Um, so as a, as a young child, my dad would take us uh, from Northwest Indiana, from our small little white picket fence kind of town, hmm. um, into the south side of Chicago, which, Abe, you know, is, <laughs> is it's not Northwest Indiana. No, um, it's not. 
and, and my dad would take us to visit people that um, just there was incredible amount of brokenness. Hmm. And so we grew up in a home that was really compassionate uh, towards the inner city and hmm. towards those in the inner city. And um, so that was my upbringing. And then um, I really thought it, when I was in college doing training, I thought, well, the Lord really has equipped me for youth ministry. And I was re- I was ready to go anywhere. I would have I gone anywhere. But for about six years, I was able to serve with a man who also did ministry in Chicago. And he just served teenagers and young people. And so I found myself doing that and just really grew to love inner city young people. And uh, then my wife's home church in, in New York City uh, needed a youth pastor. And when they called me to go there, uh, I went and visited and I thought, boy, I, I, I love everything about this. I love the the challenge that it is. I, I love uh, the fact that these, these kids need consistency and many of them need, um, they need some father figure, um, disciplers, mentors, you know, yeah. older men, younger men, a Titus two kind of mentorship. And, mm. and I just, I just love the challenge of it at first, even before I would say that God called me to that. I just thought, you know, I did this all my life going with my dad to visit people mm. and invite them to come to church and to come to Christ. And then, uh, as a college student serving, uh, with my friend working with teenagers. And I, I just felt like, man, I'm ready to do this vocationally. And I just really grew to love our church in New York was very diverse, much like Ravenswood is very diverse, uh, from the islands, you know, Jamaica and Haiti, uh, to Dominican Republic and you name it, uh, very, very diverse, uh, Russian Indian, uh, at our church in New York. And I just, I loved, I loved working with kids that Every, every situation had a unique cultural background, it yeah. felt like. Mm-hmm. And I really embraced that. But what was so awesome was how the gospel pushed through all that. And I mean, that's obviously sin, sin, you know, is not confined to a specific people. Right. Yeah. And so therefore the gospel is not confined to a specific people. And so no matter what home it was, there's brokenness and, and sin and, and, and just the power of the gospel to work. And I loved watching that happen for my time in New York city. And then coming to Chicago, you know, we, a big thing for us is we never really wanted to leave a diverse church Mm -hmm. and we we would not have come to Chicago if this church did not have diversity, because this Mm -hmm. is what we, we, we embraced that in New York. Um, We embraced being with people that I believe are going to be gathered around the throne, Mm -hmm. you know, and, that's what we wanted our kids to grow up in. And that's what we, we wanted to minister. And so uh, the Lord really just sovereignly through my upbringing prepared me for that. Um, and then as I matured, and God gave me a great pastor in New York who really helped me to understand uh, the importance of urban ministry and um, how, to, how to even contextualize uh, ministry in different urban settings. And um, it was just really... Uh, exactly what the, what I needed for nine years and and then coming to Chicago uh, it wasn't much different it's a little Chicago especially the north side is a little different mm. uh, than say Brooklyn would be but uh, at the end of the day uh, we we love serving with with just a wide variety of, uh, of nationalities and ethnicities and we find it to be my favorite thing about it, Steve, to answer that is my favorite thing about urban ministry is that when I stand up Sunday morning 
I stand up under one banner and under one name yeah. and under one people group, and that is the New Covenant people of God. Yeah. And and we we pound that drum at our church. We, regardless of where we come from, we our first identity is that of God's people. Yeah. yeah. Amen. Um, That's awesome. Yeah. And, one in Christ. And so our people, one in Christ. Yeah. And our people have rallied, and they do rally around that. And mm. so diversity really can become unified in Christ. Yeah. No, that's, uh, I mean, I can't help but think about just the early church. I mean, mm-hmm. you're bringing Jews, Greeks, and all these different people under uh, under one truth that is Christ. And we can read Paul and Acts and the epistles and just the challenges of that. And Paul just reminding everybody that, yeah, we are one body. Yeah. You know, there is no Jew or Greek, Amen. you know. Um, so yeah, I, I, that's awesome. And, uh, you were mentioning, you know, the, the joys that you have as, you know, doing this ministry and, uh, if you have any more, you know, what, what are your greatest challenges and joys in, in pastoring in an urban context? Yeah, that's a, that's a great question. You, you know, I, I do try, I do try when somebody asks me about urban ministry and the, and the, prevailing thought is that urban ministry is harder. Hmm. Um, and, and I don't know that I would agree with that. I've just, I've never pastored in, you know, small town in Texas where my father-in-law lives in central Texas. You know what I mean? Like I don't, <laughs> I don't have a framework for that. So uh, what I would say is the challenges are pretty similar, but unique challenges. Uh, you take a church like Ravenswood. I mean, everybody, everybody that comes in comes with some kind of a, um, cultural mindset they come in with um an urban mindset sometimes the urban people think that they don't have time they're, they're really busy and hurried and you know for them to meet for one-on-one discipleship or life-on-life you know bible study time and engagement like that it, they they the challenge there would be to show them that they have as much time as other people they just choose to use it differently or the the city kind of calls for them to use it differently. And so navigating around that so that people do give uh, what we call at our church, intentional community. Um, Mm. How do you make intentional choices to on Wednesday morning, get coffee with that group of guys that's meeting over there Mm. or meet for prayer uh, with these ladies on Saturday morning or whatever, like to make those intentional choices, you almost have to, you know, it sounds a little cold and harsh. You almost have to just show them that their their excuses are not legitimate. Mm. Um, so that would be an urban challenge. Uh, I think on the to the cultural piece, one of the challenges in urban ministry is that cultures typically will flock together if you let them. Mm. You know, if you come into Ravenswood, the last thing we wanted was to have a Nigerian section, right, and a Filipino right. section. <laughs> you know, so they start segregating themselves. You, you do have, <laughs> And, and and they don't mean it, right? It's yeah. not intentional. Right. It's a comfort reaction. It is, for them. yeah. Yeah. And so uh, to kind of help break down those barriers, you know, we we're preaching through Titus right now, and um, I don't recall who it was uh, that I read, but they they the first time I heard it was that Titus really Paul's laying out to Titus the importance of a healthy church and what a healthy church looks like. You're ordaining elders. You're you know you're there's there's got to be older men and younger uh, younger men and older women and younger women and all this has to happen but 
when you when you start getting into that, we decided that we did not want to create Sunday schools and small groups and discipleship groups that were this this person from Romania with this person from Romania. Mm. We wanted to mix mix things up with diversity, and it kind of tears down some of those barriers that are often up. So we want to partner with that that Romanian man with that younger Nigerian man. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And and so that was that that has its challenges in and of itself. You, um, well, so, ahead, Abe, so, so what do you do when you get a little pushback from that? Um, where I push harder. <laughs> I don't say I push harder, and, and and I don't I don't mean that in a domineering way. I yeah, mean, yeah, just, yeah. Right. Sometimes as an elder, you you have to be willing to eliminate some of those things, and and it really for us, it, we believe in the uncomfortableness of the truth of the gospel. We mm. our staff is reading a book right now by. I think the guy's name is Brett McCracken. Uh, it's mm-hmm. called Uncomfortable. And, mm-hmm. and that book is important because the gospel is uncomfortable, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Scriptural truth is uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. And so we, we, we're, we don't shy away from those conversations in our church. Like, I know it's uncomfortable for you to be outside of your comfort zone, but it's good for the gospel, right? Yeah. It's good for the kingdom. Yeah. And so pressing that, pressing that, and sometimes it's, it's unique. And it can be the conversations can be interesting, uh, and but that's okay. You know, it's it's no different than the than the the farmers and where my mom and dad live and and are used to live in small town Missouri. Hmm. You know, trying to get together, you know, during harvest season, you know, whatever. Yeah. It's just you just kind of push against some of those those things, and you expose Id- idols if it's you know this is an idolatrous situation of like I'm not meeting with this person because of this reason. And it's an idolatrous situation. Obviously, that's got to be confronted. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, I, I think too the culture of the church and the way the the consistent expositional preaching of the word it really begins handling a lot of that if you just let it. Mm-hmm. If you just let it. Um, but then, Abe, to, to be specific, yeah, there there are times where you have to you have to push in a little harder. Yeah, you know, uh, I, I'd be honest with you, where I find, where I find the hardest push is with the, with the Christians that have been saved the longest. Yeah. Hmm, interesting. Um, it, the newer Christians typically are the ones that are willing to inconvenience themselves for the gospel. And I'm not, that's not a broad brush. I'm not trying to right. blow everything up there. I'm just saying the ones that have been in church the longest are often the ones that's harder to get them to go into that uncomfortable territory. Well, why do you think that is, Dustin? Uh, uh, I think it's it becomes it becomes an. I don't even know that it's always apathy. I think it's like I've been here, I've done that. Yeah, yeah. you know, there's other people who need that more than me. Mm. So this this life on life thing is not for me. I've been saved for thirty years. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. Yeah. I think it's just it's again. It's just got to be exposed for the idol that it, that it is, and um, and so, you know, I don't know that I always know. Every situation seems to be seems to be unique and different. Um, I, to that point, though, I will say the joy of the joy of urban ministry is to see the opposite of this. It's mm. To see the opposite of this, when you mm. see when you look out to the body and watch the body in fellowship after worship or before worship, and you. You just see an incredible diversity, especially in our church, an incredible diversity of people talking. And, you know, uh, last Sunday, I saw one of our uh, one of our young 
one of our young uh, boys, I think he's three, um, talking to an older European man after church. And this man was just down on his knees talking to that young boy. Mm. And just in just in just general conversation mm. of, you know, that a, that a 75-year-old can have with a three-year-old. Right. You know what I mean? And, you know, the, the boy is, you know, Puerto Rican and, and um, African-American mix, and the, the man is Romanian. To see that happening is just priceless. Um, and, and then I, I think the other joy that I would say, obviously, is just people coming to Christ. Um, you know, I'll never forget the Sunday morning that that Nigerian man sat in the back, and we took the first, the first two years or so that I was here, and we were just going through the Gospel of John, verse by verse on Sunday morning. And this man who, who grew up in a religious Nigerian community had become uncomfortable. It was almost Martin Luther-esque. It was just kind of like, this is not the message of the Bible. Mm-hmm. And he came to our church to hear the gospel. Wow. And that Sunday, the sovereignty of God, we have, because, you know, in light, in light of all of this, our text, you must be born again. Yeah, That was John 3. You must be born again. And that man came to Christ. He went home. He got his wife and his two kids, brought him the next Sunday, hmm. saved, baptized. And they just started bringing more people that are getting saved and baptized. And then just a couple of weeks ago, a man who just lives down the street and um, from our church came, been coming for several months, came to me after church and said, I, I need to be saved. I'm not saved. And um, we went into my office after church while everybody's fellowshipping. And he just, he just, boy, well, just, cried out to the Lord and expressed his faith in Christ. And it's just those kinds of things make all the battle, all the battles worth it. Yeah. I think the greatest, the greatest struggle that we often don't talk about is the, is the financial struggle of an urban, urban ministry. Mm. Um, urban ministry is just tough. I mean, to, you talk about like our neighborhood, we're not in a very poor neighborhood. If you, in all, you know, somebody would count poor, um, you know, to buy a home near our church is going to cost you anywhere between six hundred thousand and one point five million, depending yeah. on the home. Yeah, the city is an expensive place to live, and so people that are here, uh, and if they can afford to be here, they're not always, you know, looking to expand their their giving. However, you want, you know, whether yeah. it's general giving or whether it's, you know, extra offering type giving. And so the church has to be really thoughtful about how it stewards its money and resources. Yeah. Um, I know very few. I know very few urban churches that are just extremely well off. Hmm. And, um, S- and so the reason I say it's worth it is you you do kind of oftentimes you know you'll have a, a low offering and then you'll catch up at other times and you have these moments where a pastor might really those things wear and they sit heavy on a pastor and. To see the stories of people coming to Christ, it just makes it all worth it. But it also reminds you, like, the financial needs of the church are met through a growing and maturing congregation. Hmm. And so more new people coming in, getting saved, and the discipleship and and spiritual growth of the the believers in the congregation. And you you tend to see some of those things dealt with. Yeah, and and I think um, me... And I know the area where the church is at and growing up in that area uh, my whole entire life, uh, I I know how just challenging it is for churches in Chicago to survive. Um, let me give you an example. Uh, 
Dustin, I'm sure you already heard what Moody Bible is doing with their property downtown, a portion of it. You know, we share that. They're selling, I don't know, several 10 acres for $200 million. Um, That was kind of sad to hear, but, you know, whatever reason that they're doing, I know the article said that they're looking to do other things. But uh, unfortunately, living in Chicago is really expensive. And um, I was talking to Steve uh, before the the program is that in in Dustin, you can maybe attest to this a little bit more than I can because I'm not there as as much. But I've just seen a lot of churches that I knew were open back in the 80s and early 90s that are no longer there. And I remember not too long ago, I saw old church become a bar in the Wrigleyville area. And I was like, wow, that's really sad that this, you know, and I think it might have been a, a, uh, a Methodist church or a Lutheran church at the time. Um, I, I don't recall, but yeah. And people are just not staying in the city. Yeah, I think that is one of the hard parts of it. I think you're right. People, uh, Chicago and other big cities tend to be rather transient. Um, the people, excuse me, the people tend to be rather, meaning they're coming for a season. Not everybody's spending, you know, 30 years, 30 plus years of their lives here like you did, Abe. Um, and so to, it's, it's, you're not going to find very many churches other than some of the established ones like Ravenswood is, is established as a church. And so we have people that have been here for 34, 30, 30 plus 40 years. Um, Moody obviously, and others like Moody would have a similar, but you know, what happens in some of these churches as the churches age and the people age and buildings age, right? It just becomes harder and harder financially to keep up. Yeah. Um, you know, Ravenswood, the, the, our building was built in 1902. So you, you have this 118 year old building, this 129 year old church. And so, you know, the upkeep of brick and, and just, you know, falling apart and roof leaks and all these things, it tends to wear on a church where if the church is not growing and there's not financials there, it's, it could be tough on a lot of churches to stay open. Yeah. And, and, and people along with that, a lot of people that are like spent the majority of their life living in the city, they tend to, they tend to backslide like Abe and leave Chicago and go to other places. <laughs> like Texas and stuff. Oh man. No, but, you know, they, they move to the suburbs. They, they, you know, they want to get space in the yard and they, you know, see so you just, these things happen in a city. And so, uh, and then Chicago, I think it's just become a younger city. It's just a young urban professional yeah, yeah. neighborhoods and all this that, you know, you, you, it's hard to tie them down to, to their congregation if, if they don't already love the body of Christ in the church. You mm. know what I'm saying? Yeah. yeah. So, and that's, that's where you do have to contextualize a little bit. You have to be willing to to move and shake on some things, if if you know, other than scripture, yeah. and to do things that maybe not everybody would do, um, you know. And there's different thoughts on that, and I get it. But right, and and now as a pastor, what what's something that an urban pastor might deal with that someone in a suburban or rural context wouldn't experience? Again, I guess a, a, a tough. I don't want to constantly juxtapose these two ideas of urban and rural. Um, but I would say, you know, Can, any city, I think even think of Laredo, right. Which is, which is urban in a lot of ways. Mm-hmm. 
um, and has an urban feel in a lot of ways. Finances are always going to be tough. Um, if you have a large, a large group of, of poor or middle to lower middle class people, when it comes to income, um, you're going to be a church that you can't do everything that the big church, you know, in such and such city can do. So in such and such town is doing it. So let me just interrupt you here. Uh, uh, Dustin, um, just because uh, not even just touching on the rural, rural part of it, but the suburban part of what that looks like in Chicago, because the suburban and the rural look completely different, uh, I would say, in, in, in Chicago. So if we can just touch on that, um, uh, just to let you know, uh, Dustin, we're having Stephen Whitmer come in. He has a book called uh, uh, Big uh Big gospel or small places. Yeah, big gospel in small places. So you are the first part. He, you're doing urban. He's doing rural. But um, but I can you just kind of uh just give our listeners just a little bit idea of what just the suburban part looks like and the urban part in the settings of Chicago or New York or you know uh, and not necessarily dealing with the rural part of of ministry. Yeah, yeah. Thank you. Uh, and let me. I'll do my best to be clear mm-hmm. on that. I don't, I, I'll be honest with you, I don't have an incredibly good idea of the suburban world. Other okay. than I would just say this. In the suburbs, especially in Chicago, when it comes to New York, if you get out to New Jersey, in places of New Jersey, or upstate New York, or out to Long Island, let's say, uh, you're going to get, oftentimes, not always the case, you're often, and, and same with the suburbs of Chicago, you're going to get a little more money, mm-hmm. uh, a little different culture of people uh they tend to be a little bit irritated with with urban uh and the the effects of the of of the big city on their neighborhoods and their you know whatever it would be as far as their wealth their livelihood um in in chicago i would say the moment you get up north of the city and a little bit northwest and even a little bit west you're going to come into bigger homes bigger you know bigger schools you know better academics often more people with more money and, and it just is a different vibe and feel out there whereas you could have you know obviously been in the news lately you could have you know barrington which is you know where um um Hybels was and you could have the harvest where harvest, mcdonald yeah. was like those churches mm-hmm. those are suburban type churches that are going to be big there's typically going to be a, a good or appears to be at least a good amount of money and it just is a different feel. And by the way, they're not a, there's not as much space restriction. Mm-hmm. So you have bigger homes, bigger church buildings, bigger. You just have more flexibility on space. In the city, you know, we're totally landlocked. We're, we're not we're not building bigger buildings here. Yeah. So um, that's how I would describe the suburban feel as opposed to the um, to the urban. But I would say, you know, in both New York and Chicago. Uh, I, I don't really have a framework for other big cities in the, in the country, but there has been an incredible amount of uh, just urbanization as far as younger families and people moving in uh, that maybe would have been suburban, but they're willing to come into the city for work mm. um, or even some of them coming in for, you know, for mission and kingdom purposes mm. yeah. and want to put their, their family in a city uh, where they can bless uh, and work in the city and, and, and be salt and light here. But, neither neither is right or wrong it's just they're different and the moment i go out to a suburban community it feels different 
than hanging out in an urban context. Yeah. Um, I, I don't really know that I'm, I'm the best to answer that because truthfully, I, I'm that guy that stays in the city all the time. So, <laughs> right. um, I love, I love New York city and I love Chicago and I'd be good being in both and never dealing with suburban situations. Yeah. Um, and, and just, yeah. So, yeah, Dustin, can you give us a little bit, uh, describe to us a little bit what contextualization is and how you uh, go about doing that? Obviously, you don't change the the message. I mean, the core message is the gospel. But how do we con- contextualize it, or how do you specifically do it, especially in, in, in your location where you are with people from so many different countries around the world? How, how would you contextualize the, the message? Yeah, I would say uh, that's a good question. So we we teach and preach the Bible here very expositionally. We uh, it's one of my pastoral goals to preach through the whole the whole Scripture um, in my life, and so we really mm-hmm. don't divert from that. Okay. Um, Sunday mornings, Sunday mornings we're going through the Book of Titus. Sunday nights, uh, we have a Sunday night service, a traditional Sunday evening type nice. service. And we we're going through the book of Ezra. The book oh, yeah. of Ezra and Nehemiah <laughs> nice. together. That's what, that's what we're doing. They're doing um, here on Saturday, Ezra and Nehemiah. That's hilarious. Yeah, well, I, it's so good and and often neglected parts of scripture, right? These historical yeah, books. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so true. Um, just just so rich with with theology. It is. Um, and and themes that really, like I told our people Sunday night, these themes of Ezra, the, the promises of God in the mm. first first verse of Ezra 1, mm-hmm. Jeremiah's prophecy being fulfilled, right? Like, for New Covenant people, like, we have to be thankful that our God keeps his promises. Yeah, amen. Yeah. Right? Like, those themes matter. And so when it comes to contextualization of that, it doesn't, that's not complex, right? right. No matter where you are, you, you can trust that God is going to be faithful to his promises. Uh, but um, for, for somebody in an urban situation uh, finances might be an issue uh, okay. rearing their children in an urban context might be a might be there might be fears and worries you've mm. got we got people that moms and dads leave at 6 30 to go to work and kids are getting on a bus or a train to go to school and mm-hmm. they worry for their kids safety um, who's influencing them and so to to help them to take those practical moments of trusting the lord in those things uh would be a way that i would speak to contextualization. I think for me also, I tend to contextualize a lot around uh, what are the idols? Mm. What is the idols in the culture of a city? Mm. Uh, We see that with the the church at Thessalonica, right? Paul says, you know, you came to the gospel and you turned from idols to the living God. Uh, And so we know that a reaction and impulse to the gospel is to push back against the the idols of a culture. Mm Mm-hmm. And Chicago has its idols. I sure. mean, with um, sports, being busy, being <laughs> pizza, um, pizza. pizza, absolutely. <laughs> we didn't even get to that yet. Um, uh, yeah, we talked about it a little bit in the, the intro. Idea, <laughs> Sorry, go ahead. Yeah, listen, I've got I've got some unique experiences I can share with you about sports <laughs> and food, but um, I, I think just showing our people those idols and what are they. Sure. Or at the same time, showing them mission opportunities that we, you know, when you think of being a Christian in Chicago, oh yeah, you're going to have different opportunities to 
to live on mission with Jesus sure. mm. in Chicago than you're going to have maybe in where my dad, my father-in-law lives in Temple, Texas, mm. right? Like those are two different places. Yeah. And so if God has put us here, let's not see that accidentally, number mm. one. Mm. And how do we see that now missionally as people of God? So it. it's on a bus, it's on a train, it's, yeah. it's how you do work on Monday and how you approach intentional community throughout the week. And, hmm. and so we try to contextualize around those unique Chicago life situations. Gotcha. Um, and, and really I'm not somebody, you know, I am that guy that, that gets up and says, here's what the Bible says. Um, I don't, I'm not going to twist my own ideas on it. You know, Abe was in the service a few months ago. He could tell you like, it's literally line upon line, precept upon precept. Like next, yeah. we're just exposing the word of God mm, to yeah. say what it says. Yeah. And then we're going to give you some application at the end of that. Um, truthfully, my influence on that is John MacArthur. I don't know that it, John I don't know that it, <laughs> it gets any better on sure. exposition, but yeah, right. just the ability and, and the, the desire to just say, here's what the Bible says. Yeah, yeah. Here's how this might apply to your life. I'm going to trust the Holy Spirit will help you apply this. Um, Amen. So we don't over-contextualize, that's for sure. We probably under-contextualize in some ways. Just a, a real quick, Dustin, you know, we're going to be beginning to land this plane here soon, but um, uh, can you just touch, you know, maybe a little bit on just uh, urban dating in as far as for a Christian? Because I had challenges in the city uh, finding a Christian uh uh, woman um, uh, obviously you know Allegra and God in his sovereign plan you know did bring me a wonderful person in my life but there's a lot of temptations in the city and you know you were touching a little bit how do how does somebody just if you can just a little bit just talk about that how does somebody who is single and live in an urban area deal with those challenges and I'm not trying to get onto a dating part I, I just know that maybe our listeners here uh, would be interested in uh, how, how does that work? Yeah. So that's a, that's a really, really good question. Abe. Uh, it's a burden. When we got here, we, we first, one of the first things we noticed was how many college campuses there are in Chicago uh. and, and even in the suburbs, uh, just North of the city in Evanston is Northwestern. One of the biggest cities, excuse me, one of the biggest colleges in the, in the Midwest, you know, we really found a burden to help single young people. Um, and we just started kind of investing even resources of our church into singles ministry because there's not an, there's inevitably there's, there's seems to be two typical situations. It's the Christian who gets frustrated because they can't find other good Christians to date. Mm. Um, and so they end up dating an unbeliever and, and that just, never really goes well. Yeah. Um, or B, it's the Christian who's just discouraged. Mm. And so we really tried to create um, it just necessary, number one, necessary resources, mm. a community where they can gather with other singles. Yeah. Um, our, we have a singles director. His name's Sam. He does a great job. And Sam reminds them often, it's not a sin to be single. And your identity is first in Christ, not in being single, right? So, um, and I think uh, I think we've even used a lot of stuff that we've gotten from people, even um, 
uh, Steve, your wife shared with me when I was there um, last summer, uh, at, at, actually at Allegra's office there, at Abe's office, uh, the Rosario Butterfield book on, uh, on um, I, I want to say it was on sexuality, but like we, we try to engage those conversations hmm. and just encourage a healthy uh, wholeness about what it means to be single and what it means to find your identity in Christ and, and just trust the Lord in that pursuit, Abe. And I know that that never seems to be a sufficient answer for a single adult. Yeah. Um, but it's where we've taken it. Yeah. We've just taken it to, we're just going to continue to put forth truth to you yeah. and give you a community around you of singles. that's going to, and we try to keep them busy. So Sam yeah. does, and they do Sunday lunches. They, they're uh, next Saturday. They're going skiing Nice. and they do you know, ski trip and they just do stuff like that Awesome. to give, uh, just a variety of fellowships and then just prayerful, just prayerful conversations regarding marriage and, and those kinds of things. And, um, yeah, I, yeah, it's, it's, it's such a, it's such a tough <laughs> in an urban situation. There's so many singles and there's such bad situations that yeah. a single Christian can get themselves in. And, um, so we try to give them a community where they feel like they can, they don't have to go looking for that if they don't want to. Um, yeah. You know, I, I just had to trust God, uh, Dustin, when it, with uh, when it came to that. You know, and I did have an opportunity uh, to date um, several uh, Christian ladies during that time. Um, that was also eye-opening because some um, women who said they were Christian were really not, um, in how they just what they they would do and say, and not you know, I don't. I, I, I wouldn't say that I knew that they were not saved, but there was definitely fruit there that I didn't see that I knew that, that it was not going to work out. Um, so even right. in, even in those times right. where it didn't work out, I, I, I still had to trust God and, 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 and I knew that he had somebody for me. Uh, and, and sure enough, you know, you know, Allegra and wow, what, 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 what that union has done for my life and, and, obviously moving out of Chicago, coming down here in Texas and, you know, uh, helping out here at bridge and, and, and doing all these things and just furthering the kingdom and, and, and other, uh, other, other parts. So, um, so yeah, I, I know that it's extremely challenging, extremely challenging, especially with just temptations all around, uh, a, a big city yeah. that you normally maybe not see as much in a, in a smaller town, uh, even though they're still there, uh, but not necessarily in your face, like it is in just an urban city. Well, and I, and I would say if to an urban, to somebody who has a heart for urban ministry, you have got to be ready. If God moves you into an urban setting, you have got to be ready to engage some kind of a singles ministry or some kind of a singles approach. Yeah. Um, the majority of people that visit our church, the majority of them hands down are single adults. Wow. Um, and so, uh, it's just, you know, kids come here after college for work and they, they're not married and, yeah. and they're inevitably going to find their spouse. If they're going to get married in, you know, five, six years out of college, it's going to be in that urban context. They're going to find a Christian. Yeah. And I really hope our church can be a place where there's single men and women, um, who trust the Lord that God is bringing somebody. Yeah. Um, and it's, you know, and all, all I could do as a pastor is try to help create an environment where that might be possible yeah. and then trust the sovereignty of God. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, that he is going to work in it. So, 
Absolutely. And, you know, and all of that, and all of that too, by the way, I would just say how, how enjoyable for me to feel like, you know, Abe, I was so mad at you and Allegra when you left and just to see how God has used you down there. Yeah. I wasn't literally mad, but no, I know. You know, for us, Steve, it was such a blessing to meet Abe. And then he's like, Oh, by the way, I'm moving. I'm like, what? Yeah. You can't do that to me. Yeah. But I'm so <laughs> grateful for how God, I'm so grateful for how God builds his kingdom. Yeah. And, um, and, and that's, what's all about. And I, uh, yeah. It, it's, it's, it's not about us. It's about his kingdom for his glory. And I try to remind myself. And now when when it comes to developing new leaders, like, do you have like a system or how does that work? Yeah. So we do have, we, we follow real quickly on that. We follow a life on life. We we try to pair people up one-on-one. Nice. Um, And then we do have some other, uh, so we, we, we begin with discipleship and we have several levels, levels to our discipleship. So if you, if you want to go through uh, level one, it's going to be about 12 weeks, give or take, uh, depending on the, the um, how long each session goes, of just a systematic approach. And then um, we go through um, another little small uh, book by, by um, I think the guy's name is Thune. I can't remember. Um, Gospel Center Life is what it's called. Mm. Um, uh, we take, uh, that's our second level. And then uh, we do have another level of just uh, uh, teaching hermeneutics and things like that to those that feel like, and that the church, you know, especially the leadership fields might be qualified to teach in the future. We try to teach through, oh, Goldsworthy on biblical theology and, um, you know, um, grasping God's word by Duvall and Hayes is something we use. So we we, t- we tend to take three levels, uh, although level three is going to be much smaller, obviously, mm-hmm. than level one. Um, but, yeah, that's that's our system is what it is, and the Lord has allowed it to uh, blossom and, and grow Um we do have a Wednesday night. We have a Wednesday night Awana and all that, and so that's our discipleship night. Nice. If somebody can't meet them, you know, during the week, we tend to have groups that are split up and people that are together in places around the property, doing life on life. Um, and then we have some organic groups that we just encourage. Like we've got a men's group that meets on Tuesday morning for prayer at a coffee shop, prayer and coffee in the morning. Nice. Work. And we, you know, we just have organic things that we've. I, I like the church to, to create, but I also like people to create their own fellowships as well. And so that's kind of happened organically and we're thankful for that. Um, yeah. And, and it's so, amazing yeah. as, as you're going through that. I mean, I, I, again, earlier I said, I mean, I'm just thinking about the early church when they were meeting in homes, you know, doing life on life. I, I think we do forget that, you know, and as the early church was being faithful um, in, in, in the truth uh, we see in Acts that God adds to their numbers. Yeah. And I always find that amazing. Well, Dustin, uh, man, I wish yeah. we can continue on. I mean, there's so much here. So no sports or food questions. <laughs> you, you, you know what? Uh, I mean, uh, in the intro, I, I, I did talk about some uh, some pizza and hot dog. But so how about this? Before, before you share the gospel for our worldwide audience, why don't you tell... Uh, our our listener here. What is your favorite Chicago dish? Oh man, hey. um, <laughs> that's a hard one. First of all, for our listener, that that is a really tough question because there's a lot of great food in Chicago. Let me tell you, and if you've been to Chicago, you know the truth. <laughs> all right, so so my so, okay, so 
I'm going to tell you my favorite food that I've gotten in Chicago. Okay. Uh, that I've eaten, I should say, in Chicago. Okay. Um, and I'm going to step away from the traditional pizza, okay? Yeah, that's um, standard. And even hot dogs. And I'm going to say that my favorite food in Chicago would be a toss-up. And Steve, you're going to love me. It would be a toss-up <laughs> between Ethiopian food oh. and, <laughs> and a Persian Middle Eastern food. Really? Um, Oh man, I could. <laughs> you can just either, dive in that. Either one of those, I absolutely love. So. Well, you know, uh, uh, Steve here, uh, he can attest. Uh, he, we, uh, I introduced him to Portillo's uh, when he went. Uh, you know, he's they're from the Michigan area, and they go up there pretty regularly to fi- uh, visit family. So he'll sometimes uh, land in Chicago and then rent a rent a car and head out. And I told him up. Portillo's and he's in love with just Italian beef. Uh, so for uh, Christmas, we uh, we got him some Portillo's and ordered it from Chicago and gave it down here. And we do it for our staff nice. as well. So yeah, so but uh, all maybe right. You should invent, maybe you should build. Maybe you should build a Portillo's in Laredo. Oh maybe. man, yeah. I, I, uh, it, w- it would make a lot of money. I just uh, I just don't know. <laughs> I, yeah, I, I don't know if that's just would be good for 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 my health and and this temple for sure. Dustin, thank you for going on. And before we go ahead and wrap this up, um, can you just please share the gospel uh, to our listeners here? Uh, we know that you know without without somebody preaching the word, you know, they will not come to saving faith. I, um, I mentioned at the beginning that I was a, a child uh, when my dad took the scriptures, and I've heard the gospel even as a young child so much. Uh, the gospel is the good news of, of the Christian message. It's the good news of the, of the Bible. Um, and the gospel actually is preached from the whole of scripture. The whole 66 parts of the Bible, 66 books of the Bible, um, preaches to us the good news of Jesus, and that is that, uh, that God... Um, who is holy and good made um, made us. He made us his creations in his image. Mm. Um, Genesis chapter one. He uh, created us. Uh, the first man was created without sin, uh, but the first man, Adam, and his wife Eve uh, sinned. Uh, and the gospel reminds us that in that sin, uh, man, uh, the created one, cut himself off uh, from God. He, as Romans five said, he lives. He lives as an enemy of God, and that's not good news. That's that's the bad news of the whole thing. Mm. Uh, that God is our Creator. That we would live in total rebellion and live as an enemy to God, um, not giving Him the gratitude and the honor and the service that that He, our Creator, deserves. Uh, but the Bible also tells us of uh, of the Son of God, Jesus, the second person of the Trinity, uh, coming to the earth and uh, being born of the Virgin Mary and to uh, live this live this life and he the only person who's ever lived on this earth not as God's enemy in fact he lived in uh, to the full pleasure of the father he lived uh, living up to the holy standard of the father and then uh, was unjustly crucified and died in that place he uh, the one who is not an enemy uh, became a uh, became an enemy on the cross for us. Mm. Uh, he who knew no sin, the scripture says, became sin uh, so that we uh, might become God, the righteousness of God. And 
And so Christ came to this earth and died in our place. And the good news is that uh, we that are enemies, uh, now we can be reconciled to God. We can move from being at war with God to being at peace with God uh, because of Jesus. And if you're listening to this and you, you're not a Christian, uh, the Christian gospel um, is simple. It's not easy because it wasn't easy for Jesus, but it is simple. Uh, and that is that Christ died in your place. He took your sin, my sin, uh, all of our sin on him at the cross. And um, he was the perfect substitute and sacrifice to pay for your sin and mine. And in his death and in his burial and his resurrection, Christ has fully satisfied uh, the, the wrath of God that we deserved. Uh, and he took it in our place. And if you're listening to this and you've never come to Christ in faith, uh, I want to encourage you to place your faith in Jesus. Uh, rest in rest in his work, not in your work. Yeah. Uh, rest in his uh, effort on the cross, not in your effort today. Uh, rest in his, uh, in his goodness and not any goodness that you think you have. Let him be the hero. And uh, you go ahead and lay, lay aside your, uh, your Superman clothing and just let Jesus be your Savior. And if you come to him in faith, I believe he'll save you. The scripture's clear, for whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord will be saved, shall be saved. Mm -hmm. And I would encourage you today to come to Christ. And um, he loves you, God loves you, and salvation is available. And that sure is good news. Amen. It Amen. is good news, great news. Well, Dustin, where can people find you on social media, anywhere? Um, if people are visiting the Chicagoland area and are looking to find a really solid, good church or just visiting, where, where can they find you? Yeah, so if you're looking for me, um, not much to find, but I am on Twitter. <laughs> okay. Um, I am on Twitter, uh, D-U-S-T-O-N-M-O-O-R-E, all one word. Uh, at Dustin Moore, D-U-S-T-O-N, not I, uh, O-N. And then Instagram, same name, uh, Facebook, I'm there too. It's for a church, you're, yeah, you look up Ravenswood, ba Ravenswood Baptist Church. It's ravenswoodbaptist.org. Um, there's a podcast. You can listen to our Sunday morning messages if that would interest you at all. But that's my footprint, our footprint. If we can be a help to you in any way, by all means, uh, we'd be glad to. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And, and again, um, shout out to my Ravenswood uh, Family Church. Um, and if you are in the Chicagoland area, please stop by and visit. Uh, I know that you will be thoroughly blessed. So, all right, ladies and gentlemen, well, that wraps up this episode of Bridge Radio. Wow. Well, that was an interesting episode. What did you guys think about that? I can tell he really loves his job. Yeah. I mean, he working out of, first of all, the largest city in the country, New York, and then moving to yeah. the third largest city in Chicago. Yeah. What did you think, Joey? I mean, uh, with the time we had, there, there's still like a lot more that hasn't been said. And so you, yeah. you can see that there's like a lot that goes into it. Yeah. Maybe we so. can uh, bring him back and do a part two. Uh, so, yeah, the that was, uh, you know, me living in the city, there was a lot of challenges that... Uh, especially as we were ending the, the podcast, just being single in you know, those challenges. But uh, again, you know, those are, you know, ministry looks different in all types of uh, uh, different or different ministry looks different in different parts of the world. Excuse me. And yeah, and it's going to be interesting to see when we uh, uh, hopefully get on uh, Stephen uh, Whitmer on and what that 
that looks like mm-hmm. in a rural area. Uh, announcements. Uh, again, we are still, uh, please prayerfully, um, about our building. Yeah. Um, would you like to say a little still bit? moving forward with yeah. it? I uh, got a ways to go yet, okay. but uh, we're getting there slowly but surely. But uh, if you're interested in in helping us along those lines, we've got a lot that we really want to accomplish through that building. Yeah. Um, kind of running out of space here, and uh, being here on the border with Mexico, um, we just we just really feel like there is a lot more that we could do as far as reaching Mexico and and even further south um, into to Latin America. So, Lord willing, um, that'll come to fruition. If you'd like to help us with that, please do. Yeah, and, and please visit our website at bridgemenlaredo.org. All the information about the ministry is there, and you can uh, uh, download the app also, get information on that, and you can give uh, to us prayerfully. And, again, all these things that we do here at Bridge Ministry, uh, it's only because of what you uh, do for the ministry and and your your giving and um, all these uh, uh, different uh, Bible studies and podcasts and homeschooling that just goes on in this really small place. I mean, the Saturday uh, uh, Ezra and Nehemiah s- uh, series is just uh, starting to burst from the scenes. We're running out of room. <laughs> You're running out of room. But again, just prayer, uh, pray uh, uh, if God is moving you to give to this ministry, you know, we'll take uh, a penny, you know, as like I always say. So. And another thing is that <laughs> <laughs> me and Abe might actually be traveling to Austin yeah. to do another podcast with my friend Charity Reisler. She wrote a book called Where the Willow Weeps. Uh, so she actually left a cult called The Message. Yeah. And it's going to be interesting yeah, taking, so the, taking the podcast on to the, the road. road. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so that should be so that should be cool. And I think uh, that podcast should drop in about a, uh, about a month or so. But yeah, just look out. So again, ladies and gentlemen, that's it. Uh, as we always end the show, what is your only comfort in life and in death that I am not my own but belong body, soul, in life and in death? to my faithful Savior, Jesus Christ. Bye-bye. Later.